0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we gather here tonight, we ask that you would have our story intersect with your story on the cross. Intersection of justice and love an intersection where you paid our price and showed your great love for us. Dear Lord, move us in this time of worship, amen. True story, in July, about a decade ago, Angela was driving her SUV in a neighborhood here in Milwaukee when she lost control of the car. It jumped the curb, hit a tree, bounced back into the middle of the street on its side and burst into flames. The neighbors who were outside were in shock and they they ran to the scene and and they were so stunned that at first they didn't know what to do. Soon, one of the neighbors grabbed an object and began to smash on the windshield A couple of women who were driving by stopped to help and and their husbands were both off-duty firefighters. So they called them and they just lived in the neighborhood and they made their way over as quickly as they could. What the people in the neighborhood didn't know at that time as they were pounding on that windshield is that Angela wasn't the only one in the car. Her two-year-old daughter was, as well as her four-year-old son. As they beat and smashed in on that windshield, the the two-year-old daughter was rescued. The firefighters are now on the scene and they finish knocking out that windshield and Angela is rescued and is out safely. But you know what that means, right? That means the four-year-old is still in the back seat, trapped. The firefighters go to rescue him. But the flames are burning hot, so hot, in fact, that the car is beginning to melt. The little boy has his arms reached out, and he's crying for help. The firefighters can't find the release button for the seatbelt. They call for a knife and a water hose and the people around the car scatter to the various homes in that neighborhood, pounding on doors, looking for someone to open up and give them a knife, looking for a hose so they can run the water through it. And while all that's going on, it's only seconds, but it seems like forever, especially if you're that little boy. A police officer arrives on the scene, jumps out of his car. He's got his fire extinguisher and he tries to keep the fire off the little boy. A neighbor comes with a knife for the firefighters and they're able to cut the seatbelt and rescue the little boy out of the back of that burning SUV as another neighbor is pouring the water from the garden hose over the little boy. I want you to know that everyone that was involved in that rescue story, they'll never forget. They'll never forget that rescue story. I know as we're here tonight, a lot of you are in your living rooms, maybe your dining room or or basement, maybe your bedroom. Maybe some of you are are watching and listening on your phone in the car and things like that. But I just have a question for you. Are you trapped? Is there something that's holding you back? Something that's got you tied down? If so, maybe what you could do is is share that with someone whom you're worshiping with or, or maybe put the comments in the chat room or maybe it's just too tough, it's too personal. And so maybe you just wanna share what's trapping you right now with God. You see, we're all trapped by someone or something. For some of us, we're trapped by abuse, by anger, by anxiety, by debt or depression. For some of us, we we have this this trap. We have this lack of identity, this lack of meaning, this lack of purpose, this lack of of value and worth in life. Someone somewhere along the way told us we were non-essential and we've become to believe it. Some of us are trapped by money and materialism, by lust, pornography, racism, or self-centeredness. And some of us are, are trapped by busyness, by confusion, by a habit that's hard for us to break, trapped by hidden faults, by regrets, by guilt, by shame, by lies and loneliness, Envy, jealousy, selfishness. And some of us are trapped. We're, we're trapped, we're chained to the chain of doubt, the chain of fear, the chain of someone else's opinion, the chain of stress, the chain of temptation, the chain of an unforgiving heart. See, I, I know when I asked, are you trapped? That a lot of you said, no, I'm not. But now we know the truth, don't we? We're all trapped by someone or something, and we need to be rescued. The good news is is that as we look into the scriptures, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, he's the God of rescue. He is going to send his son to be our rescuer. In fact as as we look into the Old Testament there are over 300 prophecies about the one who would provide your rescue and mine. Over 300. Here's the first one. It was actually spoken to Satan right after our first parents fell into sin. It's Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. It says then I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his hill. And the prophecies went on from there, one after another, over 300. One was that, that Jesus, the Savior, would be born of a virgin. Another was where he would be born at, over 300. And, and for the, the rescuer, the Savior, he had to keep them all. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter four. He says, I am to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work to fulfill all those prophecies. One of those prophecies was our responsive reading from Isaiah 53. You know where we were going back and forth and and the words were on your screen. It was a little awkward or maybe they were on your phone. It was too small to read. Those were the words of prophecy that told us what kind of death the savior, the rescuer would face. His body would be pierced he was gonna die by crucifixion. Historians tell us there were a number of ways that people were crucified back in those days. One of the ways was for, for every person who was crucified, they would have four Roman soldiers assigned to them three to hold him down, and one to nail him to the cross. A crossbeam would be laid on the ground. The three soldiers would wrestle that person that was to be crucified down and stretch their arms out on that cross beam and hold them in place while the Roman soldier with the hammer and the nails would go by and nail them to the cross. The nails were like five to seven inches long, three eighths to a half inch thick and pound through the area around the wrist, right through the flesh into the wood. That was the right side. And they go and do the same thing on the left side. And then with their arms outstretched and nailed to the wood, the the Roman soldiers would lift up that crossbeam onto a pole and tie it, fasten it onto that pole. And when that was complete, the three Roman soldiers would grab the feet of the person to be crucified, put them together. And then that Roman soldier with the mallet and the nails would drive one spike right through the area of the ankles of the person to be crucified right into the wood with every pound of the mallet with every gasp of pain with every shriek Jesus was enduring the judgment that you and I deserved Scripture says this in Galatians chapter 3 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And so Jesus is crucified. For about five, five and a half hours, he tried to make himself as comfortable as possible, heaving up and back down, trying to shift the weight. He experienced the agony of the separation of his heavenly father and ours. And now at the end, because he still needed to fulfill all those scriptures to be our Savior, the scriptures say this, Later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. It was a common saying back in the day, a common saying for employees, for judges, and for bank loan officers. The employee would complete their work and go back to their employer and say, It is finished. The judge would say, the, the convict, the, the person who had spent their time in prison completed that, they would say to that person, it is finished, your debt to society is complete. The loan officer would say to the person who made their last payment, your debt is paid for in full, it is finished. When Jesus said it is finished, the Roman soldiers around the cross, they're like, yep, One more revolutionary, dad. When Jesus said it is finished from the cross, the Roman government thought, yep, the enemy is dead. For the church leaders of the day, when Jesus says it is finished, they thought, good. The competition is dead. For the disciples, when they heard Jesus say it is finished, they thought, our dream is dead. And when Satan heard it, he thought he had won. But hanging between heaven and earth on the cross, Jesus was pouring out his blood to wash away all of our sins. When Jesus said, it is finished, what he was saying was the work of salvation is complete. There is nothing more that needs to be done. When Jesus said, it is finished, what he was saying, what he meant was the debt for sin is paid for in full. When Jesus said, it is finished, what he meant was sin is dead, death is dead, Satan is dead at the cross. If you think your sin is no big deal, then what I'd like you to do is look up to the cross. It was such a big deal that God had to die for it. If you think your sin is too big of a deal to be forgiven, then I'd ask you to look at the cross and see that God died for it. He paid for it. There is no one, nothing, not even your sin that's greater than God. Scripture says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you think that you don't matter, that you're non-essential, then I'd ask you to look at the cross and see God's love for you. Oh, you're essential and you matter. This is my favorite story. You know why? Because it's my rescue story. See, there were times in my life where I would sin and I wouldn't think it was any big deal. There were times when I sinned and thought this is too big a deal. It's outside of forgiveness. There have been times in my life where I thought I didn't matter. And at the cross, Jesus showed me I mattered. It's my rescue story. You know what? It's your rescue story too. We love stories. That's why we watch movies. That's why we watch the television shows. That's why we read books, because we love stories. Who are you going to tell your rescue story to? A family member, maybe mom or dad, or a son or daughter, a brother or sister, a grandchild, a grandparent, a niece, a nephew, an aunt or an uncle. Who are you going to tell your rescue story to? A coworker, a neighbor, a friend, maybe someone who stood up with you in your wedding. Who are you going to share your rescue story with? I want you to know that when you share your rescue story, it's going to take a lot of humility because you're going to have to admit that you're sinful. But you know what? It's okay. Your family and friends, they already know you're not perfect. When you share your rescue story, It's going to take a lot of humility, but it's going to be okay. Jesus is there, and he's going to give you strength. And he knows all about humbling himself because he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. That's your rescue story. God bless you and your rescue story. You are fully forgiven and you're a dearly loved child of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us a story to tell, a story of redemption and rescue and victory, all because of you, Jesus. Lord, give us the humility and the strength to share you, the rescue story, with all people. We pray this In your powerful, loving, and saving name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.